0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined today, as always, by my brother, Jacob Johnson. Hello, everybody. We are in the state of Pennsylvania Yeah. together.
1: Johnson Studio.
0: For the first time in a while, and it's great. Yes, the Johnson Studio living room. Set. Yes. Yes. Johnson set? I don't know. Johnson set the living PA, room set, the
1: PA studio right. yeah. this is
0: all fake uh cardboard pillows so yeah <laughs> you yeah, know um Takes
1: a oh, right. wait a second
0: oopsies that's <laughs> cotton um <laughs> not so fake after all well thank you all so so much for watching or listening to us today today is wednesday no it's friday i'm a bit tired it's still morning so i'm tired um it's friday, friday everybody it's friday everybody Hope you all had a great week. Um, and it's uh discussion topic Friday, as is every Friday episode we produce. And today we are answering the question: what is Christian nationalism? Nope, we are answering what is Christian culture, which is actually very similar to Christian nationalism, the kingdom of God, and several other phrases that are used. So kind of mixed that on purpose, accidentally on purpose. So yes. yay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't
1: completely botch but, I mean, that title it's the, it's the whole <clears throat> reason we started talking about it because of, yeah because of reading christian national right we, we were seen... like hey
0: there this applies to all sorts of things Right, yeah right. we've been wanting to talk about that for a while just didn't really have a way to put it in there so okay so that's today we're talking about really our whole series the last couple of weeks has been on christian culture building a christian culture we've had five guests on the show it's been pretty amazing four yeah. guests yeah yeah kyle Hessler um john brennan. john brennan we had uh brandon raby, brandon raby keith daryl so four um and it's just been amazing so that was our series so we're continuing our series now with a slightly we're just kind of gonna do it ourselves this week which is sad but it'll be fun we're gonna answer the question what is christian culture what is this culture we've been building so sure. but uh, don't forget, everyone, we have a website, trdshow.net. We have all sorts of cool stuff on that site. We highly encourage you to check it out. There's just, you know, a whole bunch of links to all of the many platforms we're on. Like our Facebook and Instagram page. Um, or you can like us on Gab and Getter if you like free speech. Uh, we've got all sorts of stuff that we put on social media. And you do not want to miss all of those things. Which you're missing right now if you haven't liked us there. Also, send us an email at trdshow@protonmail.com. at We would love to hear your thoughts about some of the things we've been talking about on the show recently. That would be so cool. Sign up for our newsletter, trdshow.net slash newsletter. All right, so before we get into our discussion topic this week, we have to talk about our verse of the week. And our verse that we've been talking about all week is Romans chapter 1, verse 20. And it says, His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So, they are without excuse. And again, that's Romans chapter 1, verse 20. So, this verse, as we've been saying all week, demonstrates pretty clearly that people are without excuse. And we've focused on that part of the verse. So, I'd like to take the other half of the verse and make it less of a pointed Um, hey, you're without excuse, so stop sinning, fix it, and get back to work. A little bit less of that, and just more of the first part, which is actually really incredible. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. That's actually really interesting, if you think about it. These are his invisible attributes. Attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature, his wisdom, his glory, his all knowing omniscience, his justice, his mercy, his loving kindness, all of that is being clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So when we read other psalms like, The rocks cry out to you, uh, or All of creation sings your glories, or The mountains praise your name, all of those images of creation, um, extolling the glories of God that created them. This is right in line with that. And it's, it's just incredible to keep that in mind as Christians. We are, we often think we're surrounded by the world and, and and those of the world. And we neglect the fact that we're surrounded by God's creation. We're surrounded on all sides by the trees, by his creation, the things that show his glory, um, show his eternal power and divine nature. That's what we're also surrounded by. And we can take we can take some hope in that, remembering. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I think that's just a, a really good verse to, to keep in mind and, and hopefully a little bit more hopeful than just focusing on the last part of the verse as well, which is equally as important, but sometimes we can kind of lose sight of
1: things if we just focus on that. I think, um, and this will provide a great segue into what we're talking about, but I think, you know, also taking the verses before it, um, 18 and 19, and I'll read those. Romans 1, 18 through 19 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. And then it goes into for his invisible attributes, um, but you you take this into account with that final uh, part in at the end of um, verse 20, saying that so they are without excuse. And I think the reason it's right there at the end, after all of the, all this other stuff, is saying that they will be judged because of all of God's, um, because of his um, because of his eternal power. And because of his divine nature, because God has divine justice, because of his divine nature, they will be judged. Because um, it, it's, it's made that, plain to them, and they still right. refuse to acknowledge him as God. Yes. That's yep. why. Yep. Um, and so, really, in how this ties in, is that when we're building a Christian culture, there will obviously be opposition. But knowing that those people are going to be at fault in the end, we can push through all of that mm. these people who stand against us we can just say they are a roadblock for this second but god will deal with them yep push them aside yep and continue on the path exactly yes and that segues
0: beautifully into my one of two topics that i want to cover today kind of subtopics um and the first topic the first theme is a big one because I think it's so hard for so many modern-day premillennial dispensationalists to understand the fact that a fully Christianized world is not impossible. What I found is really interesting, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 22, talks about how Christ has all authority, and because of that fact, we're supposed to make all the nations into disciples of him. But because of the premillennial theology, They've twisted that verse and warped it into saying, no, we just make a few people out of those nations into disciples. Which is a huge, huge problem because you completely miss the whole point. Why would Christ need all authority in heaven and on earth if he's just going to take a few people out of the heavens and earth and make them into disciples of him? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense at all. He has authority over everything. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. And we're not just taking random people here or there out of the nations. He's not just picking a few people. He, the whole world will be yeah. Christianized. Now, must a mustard seed. Exactly. Road. Now, does that uh, conflate with our view of election as Calvinists? No, it doesn't. When Ephesians, when it talks about every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Does that mean that election is not a thing? Nope, the Bible does not contradict itself. And yet, every nation, it says, the, 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 the world will be full of the glory and knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea, as it says in Habakkuk, right? We still, we can hold those two things in parallel because just because a tongue confesses does not mean that that person is saved. Um, and we see that all throughout scripture. We see that, we even saw that in early America Which we would say is probably one of the peaks, one of the pinnacles of Christendom. Not the only pinnacle, but one of the pinnacles of of Christendom was um, early days of America. Not everyone was saved, but everyone knew God.
1: And everyone at least believed that... Everyone lived as if... As if, um, right, exactly. And and really, you see that um, still play out in our culture today. There's a lot of things that we do... That we do without even thinking that's very um, influenced by our earlier Christian culture. Right, right. Yeah, exactly.
0: A lot of our laws, a lot of our state constitutions, a lot of all of that kind of stuff. And and the culture at large. Yeah. So um, Ephesians chapter 1 verses 19 through 22 says, What is the immeasurable, immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So keep in mind, here's the timeline here. This is happening right now. Christ has already risen from the dead and he is seated at the right hand in the heavenly places today, right now. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things, all things under his feet and gave him as head, over all things to the church. And that's Ephesians 1 19 through 22. So this is today. This is happening right now. And this corresponds directly um, to Matthew 28. And it's parallel to what Christ said in Matthew 28 all authority has been given to him. In, over the entire earth, all authority belongs to Christ. So my point is a fully Christianized world is not impossible, so when we're talking about Christian culture, when we're talking about um, we want to make uh, America a Christian nation again, we want to build a Christian culture in America, we're not just talking about America we're also talking about the entire world and with that in mind, we should keep in mind and remember that, that that's not impossible. And that's something that God has promised and has said that the entire world will be Christianized. Um, And then in... Uh, oh,
1: sorry, you had something to say. Uh, really, like, defining what Christian culture is, is that every single... Because we, we talk about all the time. Like, Christian culture, comprehensive Christianity, Christian nationalism... We say all these things, but really, what does that practically look like? And it's really, like, in every vocation, in everything that you do, and and that phrase that Doug Wilson uses, I think that we use a lot of the times, is all of Christ for all of life. Yep. And that's true, so true, that we have to take that all of life. Yes, and every, we'll be getting to that yeah. in just a second. Okay, yeah, um, go ahead. No, for sure. <laughs> Continue.
0: No, but that's really good. So, before we get into uh, continuing to talk about the world fully being Christianized, um, probably people are going to have questions about, like, hey, this is a what is Christian culture uh, episode happening after four episodes of us talking about building Christian culture. Yes. Why are we doing this episode now? <laughs> well, <laughs> Which I mean, we were talking about yeah. a little bit in the pre
1: show. Um, but yeah, it, we went to the event in Tennessee. And we found all these people that we wanted to have on the show, and so we talked with them and like set up a lot of different things. And really, the thought process was: okay, we don't want these to be disjointed episodes. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to fit it all into into a series, so everything makes sense. And And the thing
0: was, these were people from all different vocations, like all different walks of life but applying scripture to right. all yes. sorts of different things. Yeah. So it would seem a little disjointed if it was just yes. random.
1: Yeah. But yeah, good. But yeah, it's in. So now we've actually had a little bit of time to breathe because we don't have more guests coming <laughs> right, on. Right. Um, and we're like, Hey, m- maybe, um, maybe, maybe we, we should, should talk about this yeah. thing yeah. we've been talking about for four yeah. weeks. <laughs> but really it, it still works out if, um, if this is the first episode that you're seeing before all of those, Disregard all that we're saying and just go watch (laughs) all those episodes after (laughs) the last four episodes out. Yeah. If you've watched the past four and have been wondering why are we talking about this, it's really because, you know, first of all, we've been going through Christian nationalism and seeing and and wondering if people are confused as to what uh, what a Christian culture is supposed to look like, what Christian nationalism is supposed to look like. And. That's the interesting thing and in trying to research this and trying to uh, figure out stuff about this to talk about it on the show. Um, really saying that what does Christian culture look like is not the question that should be asked because we're not supposed to see what Christian culture looks like mm. we're, because we're walking by faith, not by sight. Mm. We're, we're walking in the faith that we know God has promised that this, his kingdom will be brought about. His kingdom will come. Doesn't um, to us? We should know. Okay, that kingdom will be brought about. Let's work in faith towards that kingdom. We cannot see the end of the tunnel. Hmm. We don't know the end of the tunnel. We know the end of the, the, the tunnel is there. Yeah, because Christ has won. Right, but can't we can't see all see the steps yet. in between. Right. Yeah. Right. So we continue to work for that, not knowing the true. And right, or what, but
0: but we've been given a roadmap. Yes, we've been given a map, even though we can't see Mm -hmm. exactly four steps in front of us, but we know what's going to happen four steps in front of us. Yeah, we may not know all the details, but we don't have to because we have the perfect inspired roadmap to get there. So, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so moving into before I move into my last my my final theme which is like the second half of this episode. I want to leave this current theme, which is a fully Christianized world is not impossible. I want to leave you with a verse that like just kind of really clinches all this together. Uh, Romans chapter one, verse five says through whom talking about Christ through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about. This is really important. This next part, bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations doesn't get much clearer than that. <laughs> obedience for the sake of obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. That's 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 how vast what we're just about to talk about will be. What yeah. we've been talking about. So, um my my theme that I kind of want to spend the next half of this episode talking about is Christian culture or Kingdom of God. Sometimes we call it Christian nationalism at the beginning of this episode. See, I didn't I didn't completely mess up here.
1: Yeah.
0: Christian culture, Christian nationalism um, is comprehensive really Christianity. comprehensive. Christianity yeah. is really the kingdom of God, yeah. which is what we're talking about. We just put a different label on it. Uh, and it's fully comprehensive. Yeah. It covers everything. And also, you know, when you read in the Bible about the kingdom of God, it's not what everyone thinks it is. It's not as straightforward as a very super visible kingdom with a king you can very visibly see and all of that, right? Like it, but also when it came when Christ explained, "How are you a king?" Uh, you know, Pontius Pilate asked him, "You're you're a king," and Christ is like, "You say I'm a king," and he went through and explained how he's a king. Yeah, that wasn't straightforward either.
1: No,
0: um, it wasn't in the way that we expect as humans. Yeah. Um, and yet it's very real and if you study enough and if you are guided by the holy spirit and god gives you eyes to see ears to hear it will make sense yeah. what he what you need to know god will make will will bring to light but the the important thing here is um, I think Colossians chapter one verse sixteen and also verse twenty really makes this pretty clear. But Colossians one sixteen says, "For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Yeah. So rulers, authorities, thrones, everything is created for Christ." The jobs that we have, the careers we have, the companies that exist are created for Christ. And we need to take them and reclaim them for Christ. Uh, verse 20 goes on and says, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, which is what we just said, reconcile all things to him, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So that's that fully comprehensive Christianity that Jake was just talking about. This is this encompasses everything, companies, corporations, every career, every person reconciled to himself, all things, um, because they were all created for him and through him. Um, so I think that's, that's really important to, to recognize that. Uh, Colossians 3.17 and Colossians 3.17 is actually a verse we use whenever we send out emails. That's in our, you know, it's one of, so Matthew 5.13, which I'm going to get to in a second is kind of our, our, show verse yeah. right it's on the t-shirt there oh i'm yeah. wearing our t-shirt but it's under my shirt <laughs> um I don't know if anybody can see this but... oh yeah oh it's not on that one actually but it is on most of our oh. most of yeah. our other stuff and if you look on like trdshow.net or you look on our social media pages it's it's the main matthew 5:13 is like our main verse which we're gonna get to in a second and maybe explain why that is too um but colossians 3:17 is a really good one and this is like if we had to pick a second verse this would probably be our second show verse colossians three seventeen says and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the lord jesus and then colossians 3 23 says whatever you do work heartily as for the lord yeah. and so we end each episode by saying and all that you do do it as unto the lord and that's where we derive this from yeah um, do everything for the glory of God is also on our logos and our stickers. And, and that's that's the theme here. And so everything in life should be done for God's glory. And so Jake, you know, ha, we've been having a lot of conversations about like him doing chef work, working as a
1: chef yeah. for the um, glory of God. That's, that's something very interesting. And I wanted to bring this up, but I didn't. I wanted to do it closer to the end because it, it's almost like a, a call to action. But I, this is close enough. We're getting... We're getting there. Um, But sort of like you go through your job and you really try and apply this as much as you can. And I want to start out talking about this by saying people, I've I've heard a lot, people say, well, God doesn't tell you what car you should buy. And really that shows they don't understand how to apply God's law. Mm. Because really God's law tells us that we need to be wise with our money, be thrifty with our money. So what does that mean? And how does that apply to bu- buying a car? Well, say you go to a car lot and you go look at a car. Say, all right, they might be the same brand or model of car. But one has a shiny um, finish on it with this one color that's more expensive than this other color. Being thrifty would say, well, okay, this car works, it's functional, it Helps me serve the purpose. I can pay for this one without it going too overpriced. I should go for this one. Whereas this other one would not be thrifty, and it might break the bank. Uh, So, really, okay, it's not telling you exactly what car you should buy. No. But it's telling you how you should buy a car. How you should make life better choices yeah. make decisions and, and that applies to all of life you mm. you just it's not that god doesn't speak to it it's just we don't know how to apply it yes um and really i'm i was talking to bruce about um all right let's take my job for instance going into the culinary industry you you go into the and in, and really um i was saying that really I've i've come into this mindset of thinking every little thing that i do how do i do it um not just for the glory of god but how do i do it according to god's law and and thinking of each little thing as i'm working as you're doing something as you're during the day as you're working at your job just every 5 minutes stop think about it what am i doing right now and what does god's law say about it mm and one time i stopped while i was cutting an onion <laughs> How do I cut an onion as unto the Lord? And really, this takes an idea of hospitality and what the Bible says about hospitality. Because when you're cutting an onion, really, cutting an onion, you have to be... God's law tells us how to cut an onion. (laughs) And it's funny to say, but really this this is true. Because you work through it and you say, I'm cutting this onion so it isn't huge chunks in a soup. So when one of the customers eats it, they get this large chunk of onion that's very distasteful, and you don't want that huge chunk of onion while you're trying to eat a soup, that's very unhospitable. That person, it destroys their entire experience because they just bit an onion that was bitter and disgusting. They Hmm. didn't want to have that. Yeah. So it's being unhospitable. So you cut the onion, specifically thinking about what it's being used for. Yeah. Yeah. And it applies because you're thinking of other people. You're loving your neighbor by cutting that onion correctly. Yep. And, you know, I, I, it's why whenever someone says to me, you know, well, okay, but God's law doesn't tell us how to buy a car. <laughs> no. God's law does tell us how to buy a car. Mm,
0: yeah. And what you're talking about is um, really it comes down to we all make decisions every day. But we don't take the time to think about those the decisions we're making because we have an underlying set, and this is going to get a little philosophical. So I'm sorry, but we have an underlying set of presuppositions that we make these decisions based on. Like we just we walk down the the, the sidewalk, and typically we walk down the right side or the the left side of the road. And maybe we don't even know why it's just habit at that point, or the the things that we do we drive and we see a yield sign, so we start to slow down, and we may not even think about well, it is the law, and also I don't want to hit the car, and I don't right. might not even think about those things consciously, but we do them anyways because we have an underlying set of presuppositions. We make decisions all day long, but we don't really stop to take uh, stop and take time yeah. to think through why are we making these decisions and so being a Christian means you need to take. Your time now, provided you were raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, you might be closer to having presuppositions that are more foundational and built on on the foundation of those are the Word of God. But we all need to, regardless of our upbringing, regard we we need to step back and look at why am I making the decisions I'm making? Like the example you just gave about cutting an onion, that's brilliant because yeah. you don't even think about that. Oh, I'm just right. cutting, an onion. but but you're gonna take the time. To really and you're gonna be consistent or yes. should be consistent about taking your time, about, hey, I need to do this right. I need to yeah. make when other people might do it because oh, I need to make some money and I'm gonna make more money if the right. customer's happy. Their
1: motivations are different and so their outcomes are gonna be different. So then when when it comes to a part where you're gonna make the money whether the customer's happy or not, right. they're gonna to choose to you know, they're gonna to choose to not care about exactly. the, uh, the person. Yep. Um, but something I wanted to say is that the more you practice trying to apply it to small little things, the more, the more complicated things will become easier. Mm. Um, the more less understood things, like how do you walk as unto the Lord? You know, (laughs) every little step that you take, how do you walk? How do you, how do you do all these things as unto the Lord? Yep. Um, and I'm, I'm just trying to think of different jobs because, you know, I, it's, someone could say well it's easy for you to think of your field as under <laughs> the lord and then give us an example of it and this but, is why we had multiple guests on the show yes yeah because this right here
0: is exactly the conversation yeah. we've been having with people
1: yeah
0: about all of these different things how do you do comedy yep. as under the lord how do you do pro wrestling as under the lord how do you do right. video gaming as under the lord right. and we need to have so many more of these conversations because this is how you build a christian culture This figuring out, what are my presuppositions? How do I make these decisions? And you don't have to know all the fancy words. You just have to step back and say, am I doing what I'm doing as unto the Lord? And am I taking the time to really analyze what it is that I'm actually doing?
1: Yeah. And really, like, if you come to a part where you're like, well, there's no verses that talk about this. Ask someone else in your field who you know is a Christian See if they know anything about it. They might have thought it, it, it through. Yeah. yeah. And really, it's you, you can go to generals. Like when I say, you know, um, how do you cut an onion? You're going to a general principle of hospitality, which is shown in the Bible. The Bible talks about hospitality, understanding that then you'll take that and apply it to every little thing. Yes. It. it talks about the general principle, and then you have to go apply it.
0: And this is not something new. This has been around since long before the Puritans arrived. Like, this is... But the Puritans really refined it. They wrote a lot of books on how to do this. But customs
1: in cultures were created around biblical principles like this. It's why we have the right... It's why we have at least a decent understanding of hospitality. Right. in, in In our current society. Because animals are not hospitable.
0: Right. Animals don't care about their neighbor and care about making them feel comfortable yeah that is not something that highly evolved creatures will do but people created in the image of god with the imago Day will do that yeah. if they are worshiping and obeying the god that created them so got about a minute left it's great discussion thanks for going into the weeds on that one that was yeah. really good um if you are someone who has a vocation. And you're a Christian listening to this show and you are someone in a field that we have not talked to yet. We would love to hear from you about how you apply the Bible in your field. Send us an email at trdshow at trdshowatproteinmail.com. We'd love to hear about that from you. But before we wrap up today, I want to read our, our show verse really quickly, which is Matthew 5.13, which says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So what we see here in Matthew 5, 13, there's so many things to take from this verse. It's just one verse, but there's packed full of so much stuff. One of the biggest things is that if you are not working to preserve your culture, you're good for nothing. You're you're, going to be trampled under people's feet. If you, as the salt of the culture, which what did salt do? It preserves. If you are not working... And really, preserving doesn't mean, oh, well, whatever it is, I just got to keep it, whatever it is. No, no, no. We, to preserve a culture means to restore it to its Christian foundations. Yeah. You preserve a culture by getting rid of the rot and replacing it with the good. By removing the world and replacing it with Christ. That's how you preserve a culture. All What, what we're talking about this entire time is how you preserve a culture. Another,
1: another way of preserving stuff in, in culinary, you, you would use something like vinegar or pickling um, liquid. Mm -hmm. And that would be vinegar. And vinegar is very acidic. It gets rid of the bad bacteria by burning it. (laughs) Um, Basically burning it. I'm not saying it lights on fire. Right, right, right. um, But really with that idea in mind, in order to preserve something, you need to get rid of the bad bacteria. Yeah. Now, what does that mean for a culture? A culture, you, you preserve that culture by getting rid of the bad. Now, what defines bad? As we've talked about multiple times. Um, presuppositional apologetics really gives you the best understanding and the best framework for this by saying what defines bad, what defines good, what yep. is good, what is bad Yep. and really as we you don't rest about, on your own logic, yeah. you don't rest on the world yeah really because when you say something's good or bad it's your own opinion if it's only based on your own feelings yep. or yep. your own logic but when it's based on the Bible it has credibility it has um, God's authority, it, it's backed up by God's authority. It's backed up by true authority. The government, science, all these other man made authorities will ultimately only
0: lead you astray. Yeah.
1: Lead you into mere opinion. Yep. And it really cannot have authority over anything. Yep. But God's authority is ultimate. Yeah. It is the only authority. <clears throat> exactly. And with that we'll conclude today's episode
0: <laughs> great insight um yeah thank you all so so much for watching or listening to us today don't forget check out our show website trdshow.net send us an email trdshow at protimemail.com. we would love to hear from you and we will see you on monday and remember everyone in all that you do do it as unto the lord